You're listening to DraftKings Network. Jalen Hurts has a choice between taking $4 million this year with uncertainty or taking $30 million plus with some certainty. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. The musical producer you hear under us is Sam Brandt. We're produced by Jack Connell, and we are brought to you, as always, by our friends at DraftKings. I'm going to get right to it this week. We got two big topics on the business of the NFL. I want to give you my thoughts, my insights. I've been talking a lot on social media about them. I've been writing about them. Got the Sports Illustrated columns coming out. Uh, I've got (laughs) tweets, I've got reels on Instagram, but now we get to do this on the podcast. So settle in. The two big topics are, of course, Jalen Hurts and the quarterback market uh, and with the new contract with the Eagles. And of course, the impending, pending abdication of ownership by Daniel Snyder of the Washington Commanders, which again, We'll see. Seems like it's close. We don't have a home run yet. We're still at third base, but I want to talk about that. All right, we're going to start with Hertz and the quarterback market. I interviewed Howie Roseman, as you know from the last podcast, two weeks ago at Villanova. We sat down for an hour. If you listen to that again, there's moments in there where it seems like Hertz is imminent. I didn't want it to be too imminent. Because I assigned as an oral exercise for their final presentation, my students, starting tomorrow, Wednesday, continuing Thursday, they get to present to me and my TA what they would negotiate for Jalen Hurts. This was assigned 10 days ago. Well, two days before the exam, in real life, a deal happens. So now they know the deal, but I still want them to do it. They can pivot to Joe Burrow if they want Or they can do a baseball exercise. We gave them that option. But it seems like a lot of them are staying with it. They're going to negotiate the Jalen Hurts deal as if this didn't happen and give me an analysis of the strengths and weaknesses of the real deal, which if they're listening to this, oh gosh, I'm going to tell them what I think of it right now. Okay. My first thought is uh, back to Howie Roseman, the general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles, and how important he is to that franchise right now. I have said this throughout the year, a year where they were, in fact, the best team in the NFL. I know they lost the Super Bowl, but I think it's pretty clear they were the best team in the league the way they ran through the season, 14-1 and one with Hertz as the starter and beating up teams. Anyway, I think Howie Roseman gives the Eagles a competitive advantage, and here's why. We have traditionally had in football these general managers that come from scouting backgrounds and back in the day came from coaching backgrounds. To me, this seems very old school and very passe. What are we doing here? We're not in that era anymore. We're in the era of franchise values, if it happens in Washington, over $6 billion. And at the minimum, 
Franchise value is the most recent sale, $4.6 billion. That general manager of that franchise, of any franchise worth that amount, should not, I repeat, not be a person whose experience is primarily standing on sidelines, bird-dogging college players. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that that's not a valuable tool. Not that that is the most valuable tool come two days in a couple weeks with the draft. But to oversee a franchise, you need business experience. You need negotiating experience. You need financial experience. You need cap experience. You need budget experience. So Howie Roseman represents one of the few general managers in the NFL, surprisingly one of the few, that has a background in negotiating, in cap, in business, in financial. It's the background I had when with the Green Bay Packers. But hey, I was not to be considered for general manager to the Green Bay Packers because that history is very uh, in stone in Green Bay that the general manager is a scout. I mean, going back for far as I know, certainly Ron Wolf replaced by Ted Thompson, pure scout, replaced by Brian Gutekunst, pure scout. But to me, being a general manager is so much more than scouting. It is running an operation and it is providing leverage and value for your team in the biggest deals. That brings us to Roseman. Roseman over the past couple years has proven what a competitive advantage he gives in his negotiating prowess on trade maneuvering, where they're coming away with the 10th pick overall in the NFL with having purloined that from the New Orleans Saints through a complicated trade last year. They also have their pick late in the first round. Typically, a team with the best record in the league doesn't walk into a draft with two number one picks, let alone one in the top 10. That's Roseman. Roseman has advantaged the Eagles with some of these deals that are below market for top players. Hassan Reddick, who led the league in sacks or was one of the top, is making $15 million a year. Top defensive edge pass rushers? Are you kidding me? Joey Boza, TJ Watt? They're making $23, $25, $27, 28000000 million a year. Jordan Malata, one of the top tackles in football. It's like at $13, $14 million a year. Top tackles are making $23 million a year. Now, Roseman gets to the biggest deal of all, which is Hertz. The one thing ownership and management is guarding against with these new contracts for franchise quarterbacks is the Watson precedent. I've been like a broken record that we are at an inflection point for contracts in the NFL. Will the Watson contract done a year ago, which is the only fully secured five-year deal for a veteran player in the NFL history, will that have any precedential value? We didn't see it with other ones last year. We didn't see it with Lamar Jackson. A lot of reasons there. Lamar Jackson seems to have pressed that issue and been rebuffed. The question becomes, are we going to see it with this trio of young quarterbacks having just finished their third year? Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. We expect new contracts for all three of them. One shoe has just dropped. Jalen Hurts signs with the Eagles for the next six seasons. 
it's reported as a five-year extension, but it's really a six-year deal. They roll in all the money together. So if it's reported as 255 over five, there's 4 million left on this deal. It's now 259 over six is really the real deal. Now, listen, I get it. If the agent and the player want to pump it out as 255 over 5, 51 average, biggest average ever, that's fine. And when I was a team executive, if that's what they wanted to do, sure, no skin off my back. If it helps close the deal, if it makes the agent feel better, if it makes the player feel better, sure. But we know as a team and insiders know the real deal is 259 over 6 rather than 255 over 5. So what happens? The deal is done and we're getting little snippets of it, but what we don't have a lot of details, but as of this moment on when on Tuesday afternoon, April 18th, we have heard a couple things. One, it seems like it's 64 million over two. So I look at cash flow. We'll talk about cap later. Cap is really secondary to cash when you analyze deals. 64 over two. Now again, how does that compare? Daniel Jones, 82 over two, but it's all about the jump off point. So the jump off point for Jones was a franchise tag, 32 million. So he goes from 32 over one to, to six, I'm sorry, to 82 over two. What is that? 48 million difference, right? No, uh, 32 to 82, 50. Okay. So he gets a $50 million increase over two. Jalen Hurts goes from $4 million to $64 million. So he gets $64 million increase compared to Jones coming off a franchise tag, $50 million increase. So it compares favorably to that. Uh, Jalen Hurts compares favorably to Daniel Jones over the first two years because you have to look at the jump off point. And Jones is negotiating off of a franchise tag. Hertz is negotiating off of a $4 million number on a last year of the rookie contract. And let's stay on that issue, last year of the rookie contract. This advantages NFL teams so much. What has happened is teams are smart. Howie Roseman, whatever team is smart, they know they're going to come, the agent and the player are going to compare what you're supposed to make on the existing deal, in this case, $4 million with what being offered between signing bonus and salary. We don't know the exact first year number, but it appears to be plus over $30 million. So Jalen Hurts has a choice between taking $4 million this year with uncertainty or taking $30 million plus with some certainty. It's hard to turn that down. Now, listen, do I wish if I'm a player advocate that Hertz and his agent had pushed the pedal to the metal a little bit more on the guarantee issue, which I'll talk about in a minute. Of course, but they didn't. So what happens is teams and general managers like Roseman go to a player and say, hey, I'm going to give you instead of $4 million, $34 million. But the unspoken part of that is, and we get our structure. Teams are so concerned about structure. Teams will give up cash for structure. Teams will give up average for structure because if it's non-guaranteed, the later years are funny money. They don't really matter. So you can give up that. You're giving up funny money. You're giving up monopoly money unless you want the player. So what it comes down to is 
Hertz gets a three-year deal. Looks like about 106 to 110 over three, right? What's that? 35, 36 a year. And then three non-guaranteed years where it's kind of on the come. There's some injury guarantees, but injury guarantees are worthless because it's so unlikely a player would ever have an injury to miss multiple seasons. But that's where we are. So 110 is the real deal over three. (coughs) Excuse me. That is a far cry from 255, and it's a far cry from 230, which was the true real guarantee for Deshaun Watson. So what we have is NFL teams, and this is going to be the same with Herbert and Burrow, are going to say, we are not going where Jimmy Haslam and the Cleveland Browns went with Deshaun Watson. We're not. And the hope for the player side was, hey, we have a runway now to fully guaranteed contracts. If we get in with some precedential value on Watson, may we get the next quarterback to do it and the next quarterback. And then one day we get another position to do it. And one day we get another position top of the market to do it. But that appears to be not happening. And there's some sorrow in my voice for player rights because I get asked so many times, Andrew, what's it going to take for NFL players to get truly guaranteed contracts? And the answer is for someone like Watson to set it up and someone to push through the door. Lamar Jackson has been trying. He's been rebuffed. Didn't happen for Hertz. Whether it's going to happen for Burrow or Herbert, it just doesn't seem like it because the play, the teams still have control. Uh, with Hertz, the team had control one more year, but then you have franchise tags, so really two or three more years. With Burrow and Herbert, they have control of another contract year, then an option year, and then a franchise tag, and the fra- it could be four years of control. That's why it's so hard to get leverage as a player. And this all comes back to the rookie contract system. You have to sign four-year deals all the way through the draft. First-round players have a fifth-year option at team's control. Contract control gives you all the leverage, and that's what's happened here. Listen, I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts and his agent, Nicole Lynn. I think they've done a good job. I probably would have been unable to turn that down. You know, I probably would have pushed for $40 million in the first year because that gets you more like some of these other quarterbacks. But, hey, 64 over 2, 110 over 3, that's hard to turn down. That's real money. That's life-changing wealth compared to $4 million and we'll see. Now it's 110 and we'll see. The Eagles have them under contract for six seasons. That's most of a lifetime for a quarterback. So we'll see where this goes. I mean, I think the obvious answer is kind of a win-win. It works for both sides. As a player advocate, you would have hoped for more guarantees. As a team advocate, well, you would have hoped for, you know, maybe only two years guaranteed, not three. So, but again, the bottom line is Howie Roseman, who have been critical in the past. Now, listen, I'm critical right now. He tried to get Russell Wilson. That's kind of a secret out there. He tried to get Deshaun Watson. That's kind of an open secret out there. And it proves my my thing, which is my adage, which is sometimes the best deals you make are the ones you don't make. And so that's all part of it as well. Okay. That's my thoughts on the Hurts deal. Uh, how I, the Eagles were smart to get in first. They set the floor. Burrow and Herbert are going to be more. I, I can pretty much guarantee that. They took advantage of the low, undervalued fourth year of the rookie deal. They threw a lot of money at them so they wouldn't have to deal with the guarantee. It worked out for the Eagles. Okay. 
That's the quarterback market. We'll see, I would think, in the next month after the draft, we'll see Burrow and Herbert drop in as well. Lamar Jackson, I think the Ravens are just going to hold. They're going to, you know, make him play for the one more, the one year, $32 million tag. You know, as much as he'll talk about not coming in, it's $2 million a week starting September. He'll be in. Okay. Let's move to my hometown team. I'm born and raised in Washington, D.C. I've born and I've talked to you about this before. Born and raised minutes away from where Daniel Snyder was born and raised. I did not know him. I've only met him at league meetings once or twice. He has not been nice to me. I'm certainly not the status that he would talk to at a league meeting uh, when I was with the Packers. He has held on to the reign of this team for 24 years. It appears to be off. It appears that his grip is loosening. It appears that there is a sale. We don't have an announcement from the team. We don't have an announcement from Snyder. We don't have an announcement from the new ownership group. We don't have an announcement from the NFL. But there is so much smoke out there. There appears to be a fire that this is happening. There's even smoke about other ownership groups, but it appears it's happening with the ownership group of Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, and Magic Johnson. More on them later. Listen, friends and family to me are calling me with like they're having a parade. They feel liberated. They feel like this is happening. This is a great day if whenever it's official for the Washington, D.C., D.C., metro area, Maryland, Virginia, et cetera. There was no bigger fan growing up in, of this team than I was. I went with fondest childhood memories or going to games at RFK Stadium with my dad. It was great. Even in law school, when I was at Georgetown Law, he'd pick me up on the way down to the Anacostia where the stadium was. I love this team. It galvanized a city that everyone knows can be highly partisan. But Snyder, so many of us lost our fandom. Now, listen, I went and worked for another team, so that's easy to lose your fandom. But I know so many friends and family in the Washington, D.C. area, big time, big time fans years ago, just lost it. And you can't pin all of it to Snyder, but you can a lot of it. The ownership group has really turned off a lot of people. Uh, terrible stadium situation, of course. No one wants to go out there for the game. It's a dilapidated stadium. It's FedEx is in the middle of parking's terrible. It's not easy to get to, all that stuff. But it appears like it's a sale. And I never thought the owners would kick him out. That would tie them up in litigation for a decade and set a precedent they don't want. What Mark Cuban talked about with Donald Sterling, the slippery slope, we don't want that. But I did think he would get Sarver, just like the NBA situation where Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, was kind of coddled and sidled up by NBA owners, players, and executives, as well as his own people at the at the Suns, saying, time to get out, take the money, and run. I think this happened to Snyder. I think he was Sarvered. And I think he listened to buddies like Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell, and others that said, hey, take your money and run. And it's going to be the most money ever for a franchise. It's happening. Again, I believe it when I see it. I haven't heard from him. I haven't heard from the league. I haven't heard from Josh Harris. I haven't heard from anyone. But it seems like it's happening. So here we are. Jo- uh, he bought in in 1999 for $800 million. He seems to be getting out for over $6 billion. That's quite a multiple. He, however, has wrapped his whole identity in this team. He will go from being Daniel Snyder, Washington Commander's owner, to Daniel Snyder, mega wealthy guy who's kind of a dick. And 
he's just going to be another mega wealthy guy. And I know that's hard for him. He has wrapped his identity around being the owner of the team, which is top of the food chain stuff in Washington and everywhere in the world. That will change, but he'll have six million to console himself. I always say, you know, with the identity thing, I always tell people in life, don't get your identity wrapped up in your job. It never is worth it. Have an identity way past your job. And I think that's true with him. I, In some ways, I feel sorry for him to go uh, into this world of anonymity. Not too sorry, though. With $6 million in the way he treated people. I mean, his personal and professional conduct has been the subject of many of these podcasts. We all know about it. And anyway... You know, you have to turn the other cheek. And I've been critical of him, but I do feel for him. So if, in fact, he's leaving, he's leaving. New owners are Washingtonians. Now, one of them owns the team that I root for in Philadelphia. Josh Harris owns the Sixers as well as the New Jersey Devils and National Hockey League and has experience in ownership. Back in the day, there was rules against cross-ownership. No more with that. So he's going to own, and he owns Crystal Palace, and he owns, you know, the two teams. Now it's going to be the commander's principal owner. Also, Mitchell Rails, big-time Washington billionaire. I used to work for his radio station, WTM, where I was doing a business with sports show 20, 30 years ago when I lived there. And for star power, Magic Johnson, who's not from D.C., but he's Magic Johnson. Now, there are all these rumors that Brian Davis, former Duke player, could put together a $7 billion bid. I mean, there's as far as Bezos, there's nothing out there that he's involved. And why? Why would he get involved? You know, I know he lives in D.C., but he, he doesn't need a team. He's got all the teams. He owns Thursday night. So he has Thursday night for a billion a year for 32 teams. Why spend $7 billion for one team? You know, that's just the way I look at it. But here we go. It's happening. And I am happy for Washington fans. You know, I'm happy for Ron Rivera. I'm happy for Jason Wright. I'm happy for that organization. And I have to say it, especially the women in their organization. It's going to be a new day. Um, wow. I never thought it would happen. And I know if I'm jumping the gun, Jesus, who knows? I still wait to hear from everyone. But Sportico, ESPN, NFL Network, all reporting this is happening. I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to trust that it's happening. And maybe it's not Josh Harris. I think it is Josh Harris and Mitch Rails, of course. But if it's someone else, it's the same result. Daniel Snyder's hands are being ripped from that franchise as hard as he's hold, held on for all these years. And it's happening. So off we go into a new era for the Washington Commanders. As for the price, I mean, $6 billion, 2018, it was $2.2 billion for the Carolina Panthers, which is a, a huge record at the time, more than twice that in 2022 for the Denver Broncos. And now we get a 33% increase to $6.05 billion. I mean, these are scarce assets. There's only 32 of them. And of course, the NFL is the most secure investment in sports not only because of its extraordinary popularity, but because they have 10-year deals for media, which are record-breaking, and they have 10-year deals with the players. You know, they have a team owner-friendly CBA, another decade long. So it's all good for ownership. It's all good for the players. And that's where we are. The Washington 
used to be Redskins, used to be football team, now commanders, the abdication of Daniel Snyder, who we will no longer call Mr. Snyder, seems complete. We're just waiting for an announcement. All right, my friends, two big topics. Got in 15 minutes on each of them. We, we dove deep. You have questions, send them to me at Andrew Ash, at Andrew Dash. I'm sorry, at Andrew Brand on Twitter, at Andrew Brand 2 on Instagram. The reels are out there, Andrew Brand 2 on Instagram. The newsletter, if you're not getting it, you got to get it because I come out with new stuff on business, life, hacks, fitness, whatever it is. Andrew-Brandt.com is where you sign up for the newsletter. You can also join my Sports Business League where I come to you every week with a meeting and daily videos. Sports Illustrated column coming out tomorrow, Wednesday, and I think I may have one Thursday, too, on these similar topics. All right. Thanks to Jack Connell, my producer. Thanks to Sam, my son, who has the music behind us. Thanks to you for listening. If you like the podcast, please give us a good rating with some comments. I really appreciate that. Share with a friend. Hope you find it truly unique. And I'll let you know next week how the exams went when they already knew the result of the Jalen Hurts Eagles contract. All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week on the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.